0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast of Galveston Bible Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit galvestonbible.org. But mostly, from wherever you're listening, we hope that the Lord ministers to you through this week's message. For I know that is in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would... I do not but the evil which I would not that I do you may recognize that quote from Romans chapter 7 verses 18 and 19 you may also recognize the story from your own life I know that I certainly do in fact if you are a true Christian and have been for very long, you can absolutely identify with this story that the Apostle Paul is telling about his own life. Wanting to do the good, but powerless to do it and doing evil instead. This condition of defeat and slavery to the flesh and the old nature is a necessary stage in the lives of most Christians. Sadly, it's frequently not a stage, but a permanent condition for many of us. We're stuck in Romans chapter 7. Today I want to study with you how we can move on to more often experience Romans chapter 8. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for providing for us instruction from your word we know that only your holy spirit can really apply it to our lives so that we can profit from it and we ask that you would do that today we pray lord that as we look into uh, walking in the spirit that we would be able to apply what you've told us to our lives to our hearts to understand what you're asking us to do we thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. We know that you have sacrificed unmeasurably for a relationship with us. And we praise you and we thank you that your name will be glorified throughout eternity for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. One problem that we have in moving from Romans chapter 7 to Romans chapter 8 is that chapter eight deals with the truth of scripture that has been severely distorted on the one hand and severely discounted on the other hand. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Some blame the Holy Spirit for the most ridiculous nonsense that has ever been identified with Christianity. Others discount his ministry in our lives so much that clear commands in scripture are ignored. So look with me for a few minutes at the Holy Spirit, his ministry in our lives, and what it means to walk in the Spirit. First of all, if you have been truly saved, if you are a Christian with an authentic relationship with God, You have the Holy Spirit living in you. And I'll read just a few scriptures that talk about that. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And in verse 23, he says, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode, or our home, with him. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, that promised Holy Spirit that Jesus promised, which is the earnest or down payment on our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, Who hath also sealed us? and given us the earnest, the down payment of the Spirit in our hearts. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will be in us. Jesus promises he will make his home with us. The Apostle Paul says that we received the Holy Spirit when we believed. That the Holy Spirit is a down payment and a seal of our future glorification. And again, if anyone does not have the Holy Spirit, they are not Christians. So the scripture clearly teaches that if we have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit resides within us. The problem that keeps us from moving on from Romans 7 to Romans 8 is not that we don't have him it's that he doesn't have us and you might get tired of hearing me say this but when we see commands and imperative statements in the scripture it tells us something very important it tells us that whatever we're being told or commanded to do does not happen automatically Otherwise, we wouldn't be commanded to do it. And we're going to talk about one of those things right now when it's the Scripture calls us to walk in the Spirit. The fact that we're being commanded in the Scripture to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5 and walk in the Spirit in Galatians 5 means that we need to participate in that. It's not automatic. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5. If you'd like to turn with me there, Galatians 5, we'll read verses 16 through 25. Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So in verse 17 here, we see the same conflict that we saw in our passage from Romans. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. And the solution is given in verse 16, in the form of a command, this I say then walk or have your way of life in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And again, in verse 25, he says, If or since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in or march in rank with the Spirit. We're commanded to walk in the Spirit, and we're told that doing so is essential to not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, to being able to do the things that we want to do as a Christian. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit, and how do we do it? Well, just in passing, I'd like to point out that because of what it says in Galatians 5 here, One thing that we can know for sure is that we are not walking in the Spirit if we are fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You can't have it both ways. If my life is evidencing that I'm fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then I am not walking in the Spirit. So that's something we can gauge whether we're walking in the Spirit or not. That's a big red flag. Whoops. That is not right. I'm not walking in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit from Ephesians 5 are metaphors for living, behaving, making choices, doing what we do under the control or influence of the Holy Spirit. And under his power and the power of God. Here in Galatians 5, we see examples of the works of the flesh contrasted with the fruit of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is guiding us, he also empowers us to model his behavior, which is God's behavior, God's character in our attitudes and actions. And this is where Romans 7 comes in. We often need to experience the failure of the flesh before we can yield to the control of the Spirit. That's why it's often a natural part of our lives as Christians to go through an experience like we talked about in Romans chapter 7. Sadly sometimes it takes us a long time to learn that we cannot live the life that Jesus plans for us to live in our own strength. We try, we fail, we try, we fail, we try, we fail. Sometimes for years, stuck in Romans chapter seven. And it may take a crisis of faith to change our life. But Romans seven isn't where it starts, of course. Uh, First we need to be justified, saved, born again, and so receive the Holy Spirit. We see our justification described in Romans chapter five where it says in the first verse, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that chapter talks about our justification, how we are saved. But next we need to be educated in exactly what our justification accomplished. And Paul goes into that in Romans chapter six where the Apostle educates us on our position in Christ. Having been justified by faith, this is what has happened. So let's read from Romans chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there with me. From Romans chapter 6, we'll read verses 6 through 13. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that's with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, He died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. We're crucified with Christ, from verse 6, so that we are dead to sin and alive to God, from verse 11. And we are now able to yield to God to do righteousness our members as instruments of righteousness rather than yielding to sin, in verse 13. So these are some of the things that we need educated on, that we need to know in order to understand our resources to walk in the Spirit. Typically after our Romans 5 experience of justification, we hit our Romans 7 experience that we read today to start, our inability to serve God in our own strength. We often get the idea that once we're saved by faith in Jesus, that we need to get busy working for Jesus. And while that's a good sentiment, it can be misleading. We have to learn by experience that the truth of Romans 8 and of Philippians chapter 2 applies to how we work for Jesus. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Uh, you don't need to turn there if you don't want to, but I'll read it here. Philippians chapter 2 says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. How does God work in us so that we desire to do his will and we're able to be obedient to his will? It's by the Holy Spirit of God that is in us. So let's look at that in Romans 8 right now. Romans chapter eight, if you'd like to turn there. We'll read verses one through 13. In Romans seven, the word spirit appears once, not necessarily even referring to the Holy Spirit, possibly. In Romans chapter eight, the word spirit occurs 21 times. Romans chapter eight is about the Holy Spirit, and our relationship to Him and His relationship to us. We're just going to read the first 13 verses here. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Let's stop there for just a second. Paul here in the translation that I've read refers to flesh a number of times. And what he's referring to is our body and the old nature that is still with our body. When we became a Christian, we received the nature of Jesus Christ, but we did not lose our old nature yet. We will someday, when we get to heaven to be with Jesus, we won't have sin anymore in our lives. But right now, we still do. And that sin nature is what Paul's referring to here that Jesus has freed us from. Starting in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, that is the fleshly mind, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do put to death or mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So in verse 13, where it says that you will die, it doesn't mean that we die physically, although it is taught in scripture that a Christian can sin to the point that it's a sin unto death and God will take that person home. That's not talking about that here. And it doesn't mean that we're going to suffer eternal death in hell. What it means is that what it's been talking about earlier that the spirit making us alive, that cannot happen if we are living after the flesh. If we're serving our old nature, the spirit is not going to be able to make, us, make our body obedient to God. We can grieve or offend the Holy Spirit according to Ephesians 4.30 by our sin. So let's compare the verses we read in Romans 18 and the verses we read in Galatians 5.24. We'll compare Romans 18.13 to Galatians 5.24. Romans 8 says, For if ye, did, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So the idea of crucifixion, or putting to death the desires of the deeds of the old nature is a theme in the New Testament. And this is the process by which we can walk in the spirit. Jesus taught this as recorded in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Luke nine twenty-three, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We saw it in Romans chapter 6. We saw it here in Romans 8. We saw it in Galatians 5, the idea of crucifixion or putting the old man to death. Paul describes himself in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what is being taught here by the crucifixion or the putting to death of the flesh? This is another thing you might get tired of me saying, but you cannot crucify yourself. You cannot crucify yourself. Jesus did not crucify himself. Jesus offered up himself for crucifixion in obedience to the Father. Jesus said he could have prayed to the Father and been given more than 12 legions of angels to deliver himself from being crucified, but he did not. He obeyed the Father. He offered himself for crucifixion. The way that I put to death the deeds of the body is when I offer up those things in obedience to God. If I have the new car fever, which is the lust of the eyes, or if I want to indulge in food or sex or sleep in violation of God's commands, the lust of the flesh, or if I want to spread some juicy gossip, the pride of life, I can't crucify myself. I can't drive those nails, but by faith in the truth of what we read in Romans chapter six, I can lay down for God to crucify me, for the Holy Spirit to do that work. If I understand that Jesus broke the power of sin and he's given me authority to turn those things over to him, those sins that I commit, and let him take care of them, let him crucify them. I can offer them up to God and the Holy Spirit will drive the nails to crucify the sinful deeds of the body. And that's what Paul meant when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Paul was able to live in obedience to God because he was able to lay down those sins and let the Holy Spirit nail those to the cross. If I have not been taught the truth of Romans 6, then I may be stuck in Romans chapter 7. If I don't realize what Jesus did for me when he saved me, then it's going to be hard to get past that. If I'm harboring sin in my life, I will definitely not get past Romans chapter seven. Like our call to worship today, David's prayer of confession, Uh, the only way that we can walk in the spirit is if we're willing to lay down those sins and let him crucify them. The Christian life is a life of walking in the Spirit. God intends for us to walk in the Spirit. God has given us the resources to walk in the Spirit. If we're truly God's children, we cannot be satisfied if we are not walking in the Spirit. Most importantly, we cannot serve or glorify God in the way that He deserves unless we are under the control and living in the power of the holy spirit may god move us out of romans 7 and on to romans chapter 8 for his glory so as the worship team comes up uh, i've got a couple more groups of people to address this message was to christians who have a relationship with god i would say that if you are a christian and you, like many of us, have been or are stuck in Romans chapter 7, I would love to talk to you about that. Uh, Or there are other people here that could talk to you about that. Because that's not the place for us to be stuck. That's That's a necessary part of our Christian life most of the time. But we shouldn't be stuck there. So I'd love to talk to you about that. Those of you who are not Christians, and know you're not Christians who could be here today. I don't know who you are but you know who you are. This doesn't sound like a very encouraging message to become a Christian talking about all this struggle that we're having. We are in spiritual warfare with the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's no question about that. But Jesus said Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my burden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I would challenge you, if you're not a Christian, to read the New Testament. Read it. Ask God to show you if it's true or not. I would challenge you to do that. Or if you have questions that anyone here can answer, please come and ask those questions. We'd love to tell you more about Jesus. A third group of people that I would like to talk to, just briefly, is those who are here. And you think you're Christians, but you're really not. Our churches are filled with people who have raised their hand Who have checked the box it says i believe in jesus who have come forward in a meeting who have cried uh, but they're not really christians they don't have a relationship with god and if you don't know anything about what we talked about today in romans chapter 7 about struggling to be obedient to god then that's a reason to check yourself the scripture says that you should Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And this would be a reason to do that. If you have not had the experience that I've talked about today of being not able to do the things that God is calling you to do, you may not be a Christian. You might need to check and see if you really have a relationship with God because Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. People who follow Jesus have trouble doing that, because that's not our nature. But God has provided a way that we can follow him. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you that we have your Holy Spirit as Christians. And I pray today that he will have us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.